It's the Kyle Hyman Show on Redeemer Radio. To go into these things with no expectations is better than to have expectations. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Flavor of the Week, brought to you by Cap and Cork Beer, Wine, and Spirits, with 15 locations in Fort Wayne and New Haven. In good spirits, in good company. In Flavor of the Week, Kyle sits down with one of our local priests over four different episodes to sample variations of a favorite food or drink while they discuss the ins and outs of life as a priest. Welcome to Flavor of the Week Part 2 with Father Daniel Neeser. I am Kyle Hyman, and we've got a all-day IPA from Founders. The Session Ale is our number two IPA from Captain Cork. A little darker than the first one. Oh, yeah. Right. Now, what does all day IPA mean? I've always wondered that. I feel like it's a little less intense. Like it's a little bit more mellow, a little bit lighter that, you know. Oh, so you could theoretically. regular IPA is kind of like a, it's a very filling, I don't know. So is it to say like you could drink it all day long? Right, right. It's something without, you could kind of sip throughout the day. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to just crank through them necessarily, but. Yeah, no, not especially. You bought those giant cans. Um, <laughs> can't. <laughs> 19.2 fluid ounce. All five of them are the, the big ones. Don't worry, we're not drinking all of that. No, sample. These are samples. All right. Have you tried this yet? No. Cheers. Cheers. Huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's drinkable. I don't really know what flavors I'm tasting, though. What flavors are you looking for? I don't know. IPA? That's a good question. I guess recently I've had more um, like fruity-ish IPAs. Yeah. So like citrus-based. Uh, maybe I've just been accustomed to that the past couple of months. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I think I like the first one better. Okay. At least for now. It's good. I don't really quite know how to describe it, though. It's an IPA. Yeah. It is a little bit, I don't want to say bland. It's a little more mellow, maybe. Yeah. Than a that's a good yeah. IPA. I, I think that's, that's where the all day comes in. Just an IPA brought down a notch. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That makes sense. Last time when you talked about your discernment story, your kind of path mm -hmm. to the priesthood. You said World Youth Day played a, a big role in that. Huge role. Yeah. yeah. So you said, let me try to recap for those that didn't catch that episode. You had no desire to go to World Youth Day. Your parents, for some reason, were really encouraging this. Had they encouraged your older siblings to do something like this? Had Not that I remember. Okay. No. And you reluctantly went kind of fearing what it was going to be like being around a bunch of priests and nuns yeah. for a trip. Were you excited about the idea of going out of the country? Yes. This is Madrid, right? Madrid. Uh -huh. Yeah. So we went to France beforehand, spent a good five days or so in France, Lourdes. going through Lourdes. Yep. And eventually made our way up to Madrid for the events of World Youth Day. Okay. So, and then since then, I've been to Poland for that World Youth Day. Uh, Krakow, and then as well, Panama, uh, which has been great. So are you a lifer now? Are well, you, so this is the Are thing. you addicted? So when we were in Lourdes, there was a day when we were able to, it was one of our first days there, and we had an opportunity to go to confession with one of uh, the priests that was um, 
with us from the diocese. And Father Paul Beter was with us, and he's since passed away. And I don't really know his story too well, but he was an old priest. <laughs> I mean, just just think of, I don't know how old he was at the time, but <laughs> but in my mind, here's like a 80-year-old priest uh-huh. going to Madrid with all of these youth from the diocese. Yeah. And he's just like, here for the ride. But anyway, <laughs> there's just this image of him. Um, so I went to confession with him when we were in Lourdes. I, I just remember that distinctly. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience because that was kind of my my first confession there. And it had been a while since I've been to confession. So that gave me a nice clean slate for World Youth Day. It's great. But then as well, there was a point when we had to walk to the giant camp for the World Youth Day events, for the vigil and the big closing mass where you have the huge gathering of like 2 million people. And this walk in Madrid in the summer was brutal. And here is Father Paul Beter just like humming along, you know, as people are like passing out from heat stroke and all over the place. You're a college runner. Like, it's not, yeah. like, it's not yeah. like you're an out of shape like, I'm, young I'm not, person. I'm not happy about this at all, <laughs> this, this walk. And, uh, and there were a couple other, it just, it just, it was, it was nuts. It was so hot. Um, and we had to walk for like, <laughs> it was, it was something like eight to 10 miles. Um, that, anyway. For those that don't know, that's part of these World Youth Days is the, this long walk pilgrimage. Yep. Unnecessarily so. Like you could just have a bus drop you off there, but they drop you off eight miles away so that you have this experience of hiking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, pilgrimages are supposed to, there's supposed to be an element of suffering in them. Whether that's imposed on us <laughs> forcefully, you're going to have a good experience of a pilgrimage, whether you like it or not. We're going to make you suffer. But anyway, that's just kind of the, the typical World Youth Day experience is there's an off-site giant abandoned field or place where they can hold two to three to four million people. Right. It's not going to fit in downtown Madrid. No. So anyway, I just there's this image of Father Paul Beter going with us. And since I had such a great time, it just changed my whole life, really, was this experience. And then since then, I've been to other World Youth Days. I've decided if it's in my power, uh-huh. I'm going to summon the spirit of Father Paul Beter there for the rest go. of my life and make it until I die. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> so what was it about that trip that had such an impact on you? Is it any one thing that you can pinpoint? Definitely not. There's a number of particular moments that were really impactful, but generally, and what I said as well in my kind of vocation bit, was that just seeing the joy of so many young people, and not just like people being generally happy, but being happy for a particular reason, being happy Mm. to celebrate their faith, being happy for what they're experiencing in their relationship with the Lord and the Catholic Church and doing that together. I felt like I wanted to belong to this because they had something that I really wanted, (laughs) which was a joy. So there was a neat experience, just a, a thought experience that I had. One of the first moments of Pope Benedict at the time, he was the Pope, when he came in, the welcoming ceremony was in 
downtown Madrid, I'd actually escaped from our group and I went off by myself. <laughs> and uh, it's a whole. Was this authorized or? No, totally not authorized. Okay. And uh, <laughs> totally not recommended either. But uh. <laughs> I did it and it, it was awesome. <laughs> and I found myself just pushing my way through the crowd, got up to the very front of where this welcoming ceremony was going to be. And I just remember as I was sitting there, just getting ready for the Pope to come in this 120 degree heat. They had fire trucks, by the way, going up and down the road, spraying people with water. Okay. Because it was so hot. So anyway, (laughs) um, and just looking around me at the sea of people, just sea for, you, you couldn't just, yeah, every single corner in these streets were filled with people imagining what it would be like for the Pope to walk up on that stage and to look out and to see a sea of all of these young people, all completely overflowing with joy to be there to celebrate the Catholic faith. I would imagine the Pope doesn't get to see many, well, he, he has to deal with a lot of difficult things, obviously. Um, but those moments when he gets to see, like, this is the reality of our faith. I mean, what a beautiful thing to think about to look out and to see all of that. And encouraging. Oh, extremely Like, this is the future of the church. Yeah. And I have hope. Oh, yeah, certainly. And just like you were inspired by the joy of others, like, I I want what they have, like, how much, obviously, the Pope knows the Catholic faith. (laughs) and It's like, I know what you have. I know why you're joyful. But to see the joy in others, how inspiring that would be even for a Pope. Oh, yeah. Like, just give you that energy to keep going, to keep fighting, to deal with the struggles of every day, the the difficult things that he has to deal with because like, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah. So I, I thought about that when I was there by myself and that again, just lifted me up to receive kind of that same hope and that I can be a part of that too. What I wanted to mention as well is just through the other couple of experiences that I've had through Poland and Panama just to see how these events have impacted so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time when we were in Panama, the follow-up afterwards from all of the youth that were there, it was incredible to see the joy that they had because now I'm kind of living vicariously <laughs> through a lot of these people. I I know the experiences that I've had personally, and now I get to see so many other people have more or less the same experience of, wow, look at this, like joy, look at these people. This is something wholesome. This is something that I want to continue to live. And then to see that after Panama with so many people continuing their faith in high school, college. Yeah. What a great experience. It's good to hear that because I've heard criticism of World Youth Day, people saying, okay, so our diocese takes whatever, 50 people to World Youth Day and look at how much that costs where if we use that money for putting on an event in our diocese, how many more people could we reach? Why would you say that World Youth Day is worth the effort, worth the finances? And why are you so excited about World Youth Day versus let's just do a huge event here locally? Uh, Well, I mean... 
the reality is that both and works. Like <laughs> we it? can do we can do World Youth Day <laughs> and have a local event, which we had a like mini World Youth Day last year, which I heard was great. I wasn't able to go, but but anyway, I mean, on one hand, my vocation began. The seeds of faith really started to to sprout from my experience in World Youth Day. Mm-hmm. So to say that it was a waste of money <laughs> is completely an affront to my own experience. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that's one hand. But then they're like, well, that's just one person. Okay. Well, you keep going down the line and talking about all of these testimonies from all of these youth. Um, I guarantee you that there's been so much fruit that has come from World Youth Day in our own diocese from the hearts of individuals. And certainly seeds of faith have been sown. A new joy has been planted in more than a handful of people that have gone. So I just think it's too obvious not to support it. Certainly, like you get into questions of logistics, safety, all sorts of different things. And at the end of the day, yeah, it's the decision of the bishop. But as well, I think that's an important, an important thing. Our bishop thinks that this is important. Yeah. And so are we going to support our shepherd? Right. right. <laughs> Certainly uh, we are. Well, and you saying both and makes me think of how Jesus conducted his ministry. Yeah. He was preaching to 5,000 people. He was doing those big events, but also he was doubling down on 12. Mm-hmm. Like he was really investing in a small group to take them further than maybe you could with the large group. Yeah. And if you took 700 people to World Youth Day, it might not be the same experience that a group of 50 would have. Correct. Just yeah. kind of the, the more personalized experience. How much of the inspiration of World Youth Day for you was the masses, meaning the group, like the huge amount of people, the Catholics that were there versus the Pope? If you had the exact same thing, except without the Pope, uh, okay. would it have been as inspirational for you? Or is there something about being in the presence of the Pope that did something for you? So I will say when I was in Spain, that was a big deal. I've never seen the Pope before. Okay. And so I was very much... You said Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict, yep. Madrid. And I was very much attached to that opportunity. Wow. I get to see the most important person in the world. Hmm. And so that was great. Now, since then, I've seen the Pope maybe a handful of times, and it's not as attractive for me as like an opportunity type of a thing as it was back then. So I would certainly think, just looking back on that too, I'm more struck by the gathering of people than I was just to see the one person, the Pope. Mm -hmm. I was more inspired to see so many people doing this. And the the same mentality works for um, like March for Life, Mm -hmm. uh, all of these different things, certain events in the diocese that we have. When you have a gathering of people who are all there to celebrate the Catholic faith, there's a single-mindedness in the mission and a joy that really it's, at least for me, it's been overwhelmingly inspiring. Mm -hmm. It's just easy. You see all these people and you're like, oh, great. I can be a part of this. I'm not alone. Right. uh, And I can be happy doing this. Look at all of these examples around me and they're not going anywhere. Yeah. It's too easy of a decision to make. So World Youth Day certainly helps that. But March for Life, all those big events, 
uh, are good opportunities to experience something new. Certainly, it's not the only opportunity. <laughs> we don't base our life around these retreat experiences. There's a daily kind of grind of mm-hmm. faith that we have to put ourselves through, but they are important for us. The Lord uses those opportunities in powerful ways. So how much of Poland, Madrid was clearly a pivotal point in your faith journey. How much of Poland and Panama were you receiving again? And how much of it was you're now a seminarian and you're giving back or you're um, trying to help other people have that experience? Yeah, Poland, you know, Poland was tough for whatever reason. I think Poland, which happened three or four years after Madrid, I was a seminarian at the time. I tried really hard to kind of replicate my experience. For yourself. For myself. Uh And it it kind of failed, to be honest with you. I remember thinking that I had a lot of fun in Poland, (laughs) but but I wasn't having as much of a a deep spiritual conversion Mm -hmm. as I did in Madrid. That distracted me throughout Poland. I look back now and there's graces that are still being manifest from Poland. Uh, that I hmm. wouldn't have guessed. But at the time, Poland was kind of a more kind of difficult reality because I was trying to make it this thing that I had yeah. that's totally different now. So then what happened in Panama was that I went with no expectations. Yeah, I said, okay, this thing happened in Madrid and then I tried to, to replicate this experience <laughs> in Poland, didn't uh-huh. work. So I'm just going to like, I know it's still a good thing. Yeah. So I'm just going to go and whatever. We'll see what happens. And, uh, Were you a deacon yet? I was a deacon. Okay. Yeah. So the Panama, there was a whole host of new graces that I think was really given because I didn't have any expectations, right. perhaps. And so that was really good. Um, to go into these things with no expectations is better than to have expectations because the Lord, I think, uses that in a good way. And I think that goes for anything. When we were doing retreats, we used to have a saying, participate, don't anticipate. Mm. Because if you went to the retreat last time, you've got this idea of how it's supposed to go. And it's going to be different. And you're going to get something different out of it. But if you are anticipating like this is what's going to happen, you're going to be disappointed. Also, if you haven't been, you've got certain ideas in your head of what it's going to be like. And you might feel like, this didn't live up to your expectations or you might expect it to be bad. And then it ends up being bad because it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy of, yeah, yeah, I I don't want this to be a good thing for me. So I remember in the seminary, they would have all of these, they would call them come and see weekends. Right. And you would get a, whatever group of people to go from your parish or diocese and you would go visit the seminary. Uh And part of me always thought that like, you know, there's, this isn't necessarily a great thing. Because it could just impose this idea of a seminary, idea of formation that's not necessarily true or it's not necessarily authentic. Right, because um, just by inviting all these people there, it automatically becomes something different. Right. You're doing some kind of a show. Right. Like, you can't just be like, you're sitting in the back of the class and watch what it's like to be, <laughs> well, all of a sudden, like, putting these random strangers in the back of the classroom makes it a different experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Watch us, um, watch us in biology class in the seminary. How exciting. Uh, we still had to take classes like that. But <laughs> so. usually those are half 
see what it's like in half a discernment retreat type it of is. A, a thing. It is, yeah, which is why I'm yeah. not uh, advocating against these things. But yeah, but, you, um, you can't expect seminary to look exactly like it was on that retreat. Right, right. But we'll see. I, I'm excited for Portugal. So when we were in Poland, it was Father Matthew, the, he was the pastor of St. Vincent's, and little did I know that I was going to be sent there as a priest. Uh-huh. And last year, Father Matthew and I would be talking about World Youth Day and, and what's going to happen in Portugal. And we would be getting into fights. If both of us was still at St. Vincent's, you know, who would be the priest <laughs> that would go? Would we both get to go? Who? <laughs> and ultimately, I would... I'd get very sad because I realized Father Matthew was the pastor <laughs> and he got to decide. <laughs> yeah. So would you, in the end, are you encouraging every young adult, youth or young adult, to go to World Youth Day? Or would you say it's for a certain type of person or in a um, certain place in their faith journey? Well, certainly we're not bringing our entire diocese to World right. Youth Day. So there is a select group of people who are going to go. But I do think, yeah, I mean, if you're open to an experience of the faith, I think that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, or in terms of like, if, if we want to select people, I think choosing those who are at the very least open to experiencing something of the Catholic faith, it's a good platform to go off on. Yeah. But personal at, discernment, I, I At least guess. be open to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well- We've got more to talk about. I want to talk about running. You mentioned that. Also, you mentioned bringing people back to the faith. Oh, yeah. Which I'm really curious what you have to say about that. Well, it's, a, it's going to be a teamwork project. Teamwork between you and I? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I need, I, need, I need help. I need ideas. <laughs> all right. Okay. So. We'll, we'll see what we can do. Uh, what do you think of the all-day IPA session ale from Founders? So, um, it's definitely, yeah, standard all-day uh, I'm not going to be super thrilled, but I'm not going to be super disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll leave this one at a, at a five. A five. Okay. Yeah. Medium. Medium. Take it or leave it. Yeah. All right. Actually, have you gone back and forth? No. Try to compare it to the owner. No. Now we'll have that taste. See, I think the all day IPA has grown on me as we've been talking. Really? I've kind of come to appreciate it more. I don't know if, I don't know if the, uh, like the honey roasted peanuts are mm. like throwing me off a little bit. Like that gives me a different flavor and yeah, maybe just a tad. <laughs> I'm again. I'm not like I'm not sad by any means. Okay. It's just hard to describe. I wish I I knew. I wish I had like a flavor pa- a flavor wheel in front of me uh-huh. to describe <laughs> different sorts of what am I experiencing? What yeah. am I tasting? Well, we'll see. The the other ones we've got some some unique names at least. Yeah, we'll see if they live up to their their names coming up. All right. All right. That's coming up on a future episode of Flavor of the Week, brought to you in part by Captain Court. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. Until next time, remember to leave room for the Holy Spirit. Mm